Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Dan, for leading us in worship. And uh, again, a welcome. Glad you're here this morning to uh, share in this time. I've got a little just um, to explain something to you. Just so you know, on Friday I broke a tooth and uh, it was, uh, I'd love to say to you I was on the front row of the Broncos and I was, I got a wayward elbow as I jumped over the line to get a try or I was in a fight with somewhere but it actually happened as I bit into a piece of chocolate and uh, I didn't know it had a nut in it and it just caught that front tooth and broke it completely. So um, that was on Friday, so while they're working out what they do long term, my dentist yesterday morning gave me a little retainer with my tooth embedded in it, my broken tooth, so that when I put it on, you can't see it's broken. But it makes me sound funny. So I had to make a choice this morning. When I go to Creekside, do I want to sound funny or do I want to look funny or funnier? So, so uh, I chose to sound funny um, because I have to get used to it. So you're the guinea pigs for this kind of deal. So I'm just letting you know, and they said to me, or the dinner said to me, it's worse for the TH and the S. So talking about the theology of the Holy Spirit <laughs> is going to be kind of, uh, kind of be challenging. So, so uh, please, you will understand that if you, uh, if you get it. It's probably more self-conscious to me than it is to you, although you'll probably notice it. So uh, please forgive me for that. But it was, uh, my sins will find me out. I shouldn't have gone near the chocolate, but I did. It had a hazelnut in it, which I wasn't expecting, and just snapped. So there you go. Um, I want to pray this morning before we start, and I want to pray conscious of the fact that we've had a change of government, and we need to pray for that. You might be delated, uh, deflated, or you might be elated. I don't know. But we're told to pray uh, for our leaders, and so we want to do that right now as we, as, we, uh, as we begin. Father, we want to thank you and praise you that we can come today and worship you. And you call us, Lord, to, to pray for our leaders. And we pray for the new government that's coming into place in Australia. And as I mentioned, we might be either elated or deflated about that. I don't know. And, but, Lord, we want to pray. We want to pray that somehow in the midst of new decisions and new thoughts that are being um, carried out, that somehow the godliness will play a part that somehow your, your spirit will play a part, somehow we'll see truth and righteousness prevail. And God, we want to pray that for our leaders. We pray for them, for uh, well-being, for a way to get close to you that we maybe wouldn't expect or wouldn't um, think possible. But we pray for them this morning. And Lord, we pray for your spirit to speak in and through us today too, that we will know you, and we will know your, uh, um, your presence with us as we look again at the work of your spirit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Jesse said, we've got a four-week series on the Holy Spirit. This is week two, and last week was obviously week one. And in the next, not, it's not next week because of the picnic, and the next two times we look at it, we're looking at fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, etc. So that's going to happen in the, in the last two sessions. But uh, today we're looking at the work of the Spirit, living by the Spirit, the Spirit of God in you and in me. And we're, we're going to talk about that and follow on a little bit from last week, what we said last week. Let me recap 
for you a little bit. We, we were reminded last week that the Holy Spirit is God, that he's not the sort of wild cousin of God. He's not sort of the, the kind of weird relative of God somewhere. You know, they say every family's got a, a weird relative somewhere and what do they say? If you don't know who that is in your family, it's probably you. But, but everyone's, you know, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And when we come to faith in Jesus, um, God does a, a transaction. God does a work in us. His spirit, we said, bears witness with our spirit that now we're children of God. We can call God Father or Papa or Dad. You might feel uncomfortable with those words calling God that because it's, it's our Father. But it's, now it's the Spirit of God. Scriptures say we can call him Papa, call him Dad. Um, Abba is the word in the, in the language. And so we're reminded that, we're reminded also that we are three-part people. We are body, soul and spirit and we use this diagram um, to show that, which we're going to show throughout today because it's going to be crucial for us that, that God, when we're made new, we're made new in our spirit. We're not made new in our mind because we still think weird things even though you become a Christian and you still do weird things in your body even though you become a Christian. But what's, what's new is your spirit. God trans does a transaction in your spirit that you become children of God and you are brand new in your spirit. And then the idea, the, the challenge for us is to live inside out, not outside in. So we're not just meant to be people who live by the drives of our body or the, the thoughts of our mind, but we're meant to live by our spirit and live inside out. And that's the important part of us and part of you that's been invaded by God in your spirit if you've come to faith in Jesus. And that's why we can talk about having a relationship with God because God dwells within you by his spirit. You don't have a relationship with God because you know a lot of the Bible or because you come to church. They're good things to do. But you have a relationship because the spirit of God dwells within you and so you're as close as close. That's why we can talk about having a relationship. Um, a lot of people know the scriptures really well. A lot of people come to church, but... If we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, that's where the relationship comes from. That's where that develops. And uh, you don't have a relationship with God just because you believe certain parts of the Bible. Um, the devil believes the Bible probably more than you do. But it's not, it's not just that that does it. It's, it's knowing God in the inside. It's why it's so important to dwell on that. You can have now an intimate and organic relationship with the God who created you because now the God who created you dwells within you. That's an extraordinary thing. It's not just airy-fairy, we live by the Spirit. What does that mean? No, we live by the Spirit because he's done a transaction deep inside our spirit, which we've always had. You have a spirit whether you're a believer or not. And I want us to look this morning about what it means to therefore be a spiritual person. And you can be a spiritual person without believing in God because you get your influences in your spirit from other places. You get your influences from drives of your body or you get influences from sort of other influences outside of you. You know, we talk about new age and all that sort of stuff. It's because you're a spiritual person, but your influences come not from God. They come from other places. But when you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, that's where your influences are meant to come from and you are a spiritual being in that space. That's 
which is important. You can be influenced or, in, or enamoured by other things. You can be influenced by the thought of power. You can be influenced by the thought of money. You can be influenced by other people. And they can be where your spirit gets fed. But uh, when you're influenced by the spirit of God dwelling within, that's different. And so I want to look at that this morning. And it's really important to understand what the scriptures say about your spirit particularly your spirit now invaded by the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be the focus of us today because you realise, if we use the next slide, thanks, Steve, if you realise that we said that your spirit is the place where you commune, you discern. Your body is the place where you do things, you, you, know, you see things, you do things as part of your body. Your soul is the place where you think and where you decide etc., your mind, emotions, and your will, but your spirit is the place where you discern things and you commune. And, you know, you might remember, you might sometimes have walked into a room and there's no reason to think there's something wrong in that room. It's not logical, but you just sense there's something wrong. Or you meet a person, you go, I just sense there's something not right there. And that's a function of your spirit. It's not your mind because nobody tells you anything and you know, there's no reason to think logically about it, but nevertheless you, you sense your spirit is the place of discerning. Therefore, if your spirit is invaded by the Holy Spirit, that's where the Spirit of God helps you discern and helps you commune. It's not just a, an intellectual knowing. It's the place of communion for you. So here I want to say a few things about your spirit. First one is this, spirit can be crushed by a deceitful tongue, the scriptures say. Look at some of the things the scriptures say. Your spirit can be crushed by a deceitful tongue. Proverbs says this, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue or a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You probably know this. Somebody tells you, lies or tells you untruth or deceives you or whatever, it's not that you can think in your mind, this shouldn't bother me because I know it's not true, but somehow it, it does crush you. Somehow it affects you beyond your mind. You, you can logically say, well, you know, I shouldn't, and that's not true, I know that's not true, so I shouldn't dwell on it, but you do. Because your spirit can get crushed by a deceitful tongue. There's lots of things that can happen to your spirit. Scriptures say your spirit is often in conflict with your flesh. You look at that diagram and, and, and you know, the spirit is often in conflict with your, with your flesh. Jesus at that, and it happened for Jesus when he talked to his disciples. He came to the place in the Garden of Gethsemane where uh, um, he said to them, just stay awake here and pray while I go off couple of times he came back and they were asleep. When you read this in Mark chapter 14, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said, um, to, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Often there's a conflict there. We know what's right, we know what we should do, we know what God is saying to us, but we don't do it. There's a conflict there. So that can be something we have to manage in life. Um, our drives and compulsions 
can lead us in directions that can cause you unease in your spirit. You can do stuff and you just know it's not right. That can happen in your life. And it's not just sin or immorality. In the case, it was falling asleep. It's not just, you know, wild sin will cause you to, to be in conflict, but just the wrong thing at the wrong time can cause that as well. Scriptures say that your spirit, and these are all small S's by the way, your spirit can be heavy. You can have a heaviness of spirit. You know the scripture where Jesus repeats in Luke chapter 4. He repeats it from Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now he quotes that again in Luke chapter 4, Jesus does. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There can be a time where you just feel your spirit is heavy. Sometimes you don't even know why. You just feel there's a lament. There's a weight in your spirit deep down inside. And scriptures say there's a garment of praise. When we actually praise God, when we not just sing but praise God, uh, there's something in our, in our depth that we can trust to break through the spirit of heaviness. So your spirit can be heavy. Sometimes you can be in a group of people where they're all cheering and, you know, yahooing, but you, you're, you're, you're heavy, you're, you're sort of weighed down. It's just in your spirit that can happen to you. Scriptures say that your spirit can be passionate, vibrant or fervent. A reading in Paul, and this is by no means comprehensive by the way, I've just picked some out. A reading in Paul where you see the story of Apollos who is a, a Jewish man from, um, from uh, Egypt. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born to Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. <clears throat> this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He was enthusiastic. He spoke and taught accurately the things of, <clears throat> the things of God, though he knew only the baptism of John. So... He was an excited man, he was enthusiastic, but he had a couple of other people, a couple called Priscilla and Aquila, who helped him grow in his knowledge, but he came fervent. He was excited. He was really uh, thrilled about who he was and that he'd met Jesus. He needed to be taught, needed to, be le- needed to learn stuff, but uh, he was fervent in spirit, which gives the impression that you can be not fervent. You can be impassionate about God, even as a follower of Jesus. You can be disinterested. You can be inert in your relationship with God. Um, But he was so teachable. But the opposite can be true. Um, It says other things about the spirit. You can groan in your spirit. Your spirit can groan. It may not be out loud, or it may be, but you can groan in your spirit. Again, um, Jesus is talking to some really good friends, Mary and Martha whose brother has just died, and they're expressing to him the grief that they have because Lazarus has just died. And we read this. 
Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit. This is Jesus who groaned deep down in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? You can groan in your spirit. There can be circumstances that happen around you or you can see in other people's lives a lament or a groaning or a a great grief. And you can groan in your spirit because of that. You don't know why necessarily, but you just know. There's a, oh, can't even put words to it sometimes because it's a groan. You can be, the scriptures say, refreshed in your spirit. You can be refreshed in your spirit. Um, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about Titus and he says, therefore we've been comforted in your comfort and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. That's a great thing to remember, that we can refresh one another's spirits. It's not just God, but it's we can refresh one another's spirits. You can refresh the spirit of someone else. You can encourage, you can support, you can refresh. The church is important for that. The church is not a place for gossip or for, you know, that sort of stuff. The place is the place for, church is the place for refreshing one another's spirits. Really important. That's the role we can have. You can refresh another person's spirit. How you act, how you talk, how you respond to people will determine whether you refresh their spirit or deplete their spirit. That's who we are. That's why it's important, the body of Christ in that whole space. It's extraordinary that, in, that you and I have the power to crush someone's spirit or to refresh someone's spirit. You and I have that power. We have that choice to do that. Powerful to do that. It's so important to choose to follow Jesus because the scriptures say things like pray in the spirit. It says things like sing in the spirit. It says things like walk in the spirit. John, in, as he writes the book of Revelation, says, I'm in the spirit. So the, the, there's something deep inside of us that communicates with God that God has put inside of us in himself. It's an extraordinary thing. When we talk about the spirit, it's not just sort of some airy, fairy part of you. Yeah somewhere in there, it's where God invades and changes that part of you and now you live inside out. You live in that space. We've already learnt this year early on where, a few weeks ago, where we had a worship in the spirit. You know, Jesus meets this woman when his disciples have gone somewhere else and, and they're talking about her life and how that all's coming out and it gets a bit close for her. So what happens when, you, when it gets a bit close to you, you sort of talk about something out there. So they talk about worship. And she's sort of, he's kind of honing in on her life. And then he, she says to him, well, we shouldn't be talking anyway because you guys worship on this mountain, we worship on this mountain. And, she sa- and he says, a time is coming. In fact, it's right here. I'll read it to you. Time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. You worship in spirit. It's not singing, it's worship. 
You can sing and not worship, and you can worship and not sing. Hopefully we can do both together. We can worship the Father in spirit and in truth, but those are the people who God actively seeks. He seeks you. We're taught to live by the Spirit. Paul says to the Galatian church, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Because we live inside out, let's keep in step with the inside. Let's not just be inside people who, who kind of just get influenced all the time by what's happening out there, that our bodies feel, that our mind thinks. Let's trust in the Spirit of God to do that. And I want to just share with you a couple of things this morning just to, to wrap it up. Four things to finish. When you, live, when you walk with the Spirit, when you live by the Spirit, you actually live by faith. You actually live by faith. You know, sometimes we get this a bit skew-whiffed and someone says, I'm, how are you coping? So I'm living by faith. And what we often think that means is I'm living without an income. I'm trusting God for my needs. Well, we all should be trusting God for our needs. But we think, oh, living by faith is living without an income. No, no, we're all called to live by faith, whether you have an income or not. And to, to live by the Spirit means to walk by faith, to trust that God is at work in you, that God is doing stuff in you, even though you don't even know he's doing stuff in you. That's what's important. You need to grasp that and understand that. Living by faith and living by the Spirit are two of the same thing. They're not separate. We sing this song, I think we sing it here, called Waymaker. Do we sing Waymaker here? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And, and we sing that song here. And the bridge of that song says this, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working, you never stop working. So when we look at that diagram, even when I don't see it, so even though my body doesn't see it, even when I don't feel it, my mind, my soul doesn't feel it, even when that happens, you're working. You're still working. You never stop working. That's why to live by the Spirit is to live by faith because you have to trust that God has never stopped working, even when you can't see it and even when you can't feel it. That's what working, living by the Spirit means. It means to... It's a faith statement. To live, by, to live by faith is a faith statement that God has never stopped working in you if you allow him. If you allow him. And you can cut that off. You can not allow him to grow in you. You can not allow him to work in you. But he's working in you. He never stops working. That's God, who God is. But you may not see it and you may not feel it and you may not think it, but the faith statement is that he is. That's why it says things like he's a comforter, he's a counsellor, he's a teacher. Because he's still working in you and working in your, in your heart of hearts, your spirit, your inner being. The Holy Spirit enables you to live by faith. 
You don't live by faith just because your circumstances are like that. You live by faith because the Holy Spirit allows you to live by faith and calls you to live by faith. Second thing I want to say, and there's just four to finish. To live by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, helps you grow gracefully. I nearly said helps you grow old gracefully, but I decided not to because you can be 40 and be old. You can be 90 and be young. But helps you grow gracefully. I have a guy, I walk around to my coffee shop most mornings about 7 o'clock, grab a coffee and there's a group of guys who ride bikes and they stop there for coffee. I got to know them and Nick is 85 years of age and he's riding his bike in the morning. He's just got an electric bike because he can't quite get up the hill with the other guys but he still rides his bike. He's not old. So it's... How do you grow gracefully because you allow the Spirit of God to work in you, who dwells in you, to actually work and be in you? And have you ever noticed how how people do grow older? Sometimes as people grow older, and it's not about age, it's just growing old, they grow old grumpy. Ever seen that? Some grow old winsomely. They're really winsome. They grow old, they're much more gracious and alive. Some people grow old with paranoia. Some people grow old with isolationist views. Some people just don't grow old well. As you grow old, you shrink or you expand. Your choice. Your choice as to whether you let the Spirit of God do that in you or whether you quench the Spirit and become crusty, grumpy, and hermetic as you grow old. And how you nurture your spirit now, how you allow the spirit of God to work in you now and develop that intimate and organic relationship now will determine how well you grow and how well you grow as the years pass by. Because here's, a, here's, here's, good, here's some news for you. Not good news, but here's some news for you. As you grow old... Your body dictates more to you. Just does. As you grow old, things happen to your body which dictate to your mind and your emotions and your will. So if you're not nurturing yourself from the inside out, you will live as you grow old from the outside in. It's just the way it happens. Wish it didn't happen that way, but it does. So because to, as you do that and your body starts to dictate, things go wrong with it, things play up, teeth fall out, all of those sort of things, that if we're not nurturing our spirit on the inside, that's what will control our lives and we just become narrow and grumpy and judgmental and, you know, scrutinising everybody and everything that goes on if we're not allowing the spirit of God to bring expanse. And last why to nurture the Spirit of God in you as you are young is important for when you get not so young. Um, number three, the living by, living by faith and by the Spirit helps you live dynamically as opposed to living statically. And that's got nothing to do with living in the same place for umpteen years, but you know what it's like when you live either dynamically, there's, God is an adventure for you, 
living with God is an adventure for you or it's just static. There's not much happening on the inside. Where you live with an adventurous spirit. Jesus is very clear with his message to Nicodemus who came in the middle of the night to him because he's a little nervous about getting seen by his fellow Pharisees. So he comes in the middle of the night and says, what do you mean by being born again? Let me read this to you. I've read this before. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born there? Old Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit, capital S, gives birth to spirit, small s, your spirit. That's what happens. You should not be surprised by saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound? But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. So as the spirit of God births, rebirths your spirit, um, there's a dynamic that happens there. There's something that happens and the Spirit of God in you can lead you with, in big ways and little ways in, that you didn't think would be possible or you didn't think were going to be. So it's not about your mind, it's about your spirit. The Spirit blows where he wants to blow. He'll take you where he wants to take you if you're willing to go and willing to do that, willing to be part of that. It's simple, and, and you need to trust God in this. It's a learning process. It's, it's just sometimes the promptings and nudgings of God. God prompts you and nudges you in ways that aren't logical maybe for you. I can remember driving home one day uh, from work, and as I'm driving along the road, I just sensed in me, Tim, you should go and visit Fred. It wasn't Fred, but they'll call him Fred. There was nothing logical about that. I'm on my way home to see my wife and kids. There wasn't anything logical. I didn't know anything in Fred's life. But just, you should go and visit Fred. So I think many times I would have just ignored that, but this particular time, okay, so I drove off to see Fred and there was something just happened in his life that he needed someone to talk to about. Now, it's not logical. I didn't know that. It's not nothing that I thought was, you know, no one told me about Fred. But there's a nudging of in your life. There's a nudging from the Spirit. It happens inside out. Because God wants you to live dynamically, to listen to his Spirit who dwells within you. That's how God wants us to live. To live by the Spirit is to live by faith. Um, it just happens sometimes as you trust. I'll never forget one time when I was a new pastor in my first church in Perth, Western Australia, and there was a guy in my church who was my age. And every Friday, he was a bit of a strange guy, um, but a very passionate Christian. And every Friday night, he would go, his name was Graham, he would go into the mall in Hay Street and he would wear a caftan and sandals and he had long wavy hair and he'd hand out tracts and talk to people about Jesus, which was great. But because of his nature, he, he was kind of a bit, bit uh, um, stubborn and a bit sort of, uh, not obstructionist, but in church he would say, that's not right, that's right, that's not right. And I just as a young pastor who wants to do everything right and wants to be seen to be doing everything right, I'd kind of, uh. 
And I remember one day venting to a mentor of mine saying, you know, this guy's great, I love him, but he, he, he's just a bit grumpy and he's a bit sort of hard to get on with and, and you know, he's all over the place and he's, he's a bit crazy. He goes into town on Friday nights and he hands out tracks and stuff like that and I'll never forget what my mentor said to me. He said to me, Tim, you want to remember this. It's easier to restrain a maniac than resurrect a corpse. And what he meant was, this guy's fervent, he's passionate, he doesn't do it the same way you would do it, but work with him. Work with him. He's keen about what he does. He doesn't follow the, the patterns you've learned. And, and you know, it's, it's easier to restrain a maniac than want everyone to be your in your mould. Easier to restrain a maniac and resurrect the corpse. In other words, you can just be plain and simple, doing the same things you do all the time, and you don't live dynamically. And somebody's out there doing stuff for the kingdom of God, and we can judge them. Crazy people. What would you do that for? Because you wouldn't do it. It's not evil, it's not wrong, it's just different. Easier to restrain a maniac and resurrect the corpse. And we need to say that the Spirit of God dwelling within us will help us live dynamically. Last thing I want to say is to live by the Spirit is the anchor for your life. Every one of us needs an anchor. We, we live in transitory times right now. We live in times that are up, of upheaval. Um, it's transitory times. There's wars on. We've just had a pandemic still going. People are not here this morning because they've got COVID still. There's geopolitical tensions around the world. There's uncertainty. There's a new government. There's racial tension. Culture is more polarised now than it's ever been. Ever been. We need an anchor. We need an anchor for our soul. And the Holy Spirit is both dynamic, but he's also an anchor. And the thought of having the living God of the Scriptures dwelling within you by his Spirit is an anchor. It's an anchor for you. It's something that is solid to hold on to. It's not floppy or flaky. It's something solid to hold on to. You are invaded by the Spirit of God to dwell within you and to live within you. He is an anchor for your soul. We are people who are invaded by the Holy Spirit of God who makes us new and fresh and gives us purpose and meaning and dynamism and life and faith and a new way to live inside out isn't the way our culture teaches us to live. And he is an anchor for my soul. And if you have never come to discover the, the joy and the, the richness of God as an anchor for your soul because you've never come to say, I come to follow Jesus, today would be a great time to do that. There would be no better time than today. In a moment, Dan's going to, the team are going to lead us in a song. And as they do that, 
If that's you today, if today you want to say yes to Jesus, which means I want to become new in my spirit and invaded by the Spirit of God, I'm going to sit down here. And I, if that's you, I want you to come and sit with me. I'm going to talk to you about what that means. If today you want to discover Jesus as Lord and live by faith and by the Spirit who dwells deep within. You just come as, as, as Dan is leading. So Dan, come and, and lead us. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the invasion of your Holy Spirit in our lives. You do that. You do it amazingly. You do it powerfully. So Lord, we thank you for that. And just speak to us now, Lord God, if we are here today and we just need to say yes to Jesus and yes to your Spirit living within us. In his name we pray. Amen. When Jesse dismisses us a bit later, at this four weeks we're going to say, we're going to wait for, if any of you want to, service is over, go and have a cup of coffee, go and catch up with people. But if you want to ask any questions, we're going to have just 15 minutes, no more, where you can ask any questions. Just stay in your seat and we'll start that a couple of minutes after the service finishes. But if you have come today to say, hey, Jesus is Lord of all, I want to choose to follow him. Just simply come as we stand and sing.